Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Spill the Beans, a candid conversational piece on all things life and career. Again, my name is Ty Blair, Executive Director of the awesome nonprofit organization, When You Give a Bean Water, a collective hub of resources for families of color to utilize on their own terms. In this episode, we will be discussing a topic that more often than not comes with a stigma. Mental health is our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It is how we think, feel, and act. Many factors can affect the state of our mental health, which is why it is so important to educate ourselves on that balance. Luckily, my esteemed guest comes with insightful knowledge and ways we can cope with those factors. Beyond that, she's a phenomenal woman with such a positive spirit and infectious energy. So I'm so happy to have her on as this month's guest. Give a warm welcome to my sister, Miranda Jacobson. Hello. Oh, thank you for that sweet, sweet intro. My goodness. I am so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you on here. So, so happy. So how was your day? Did you have to work today or were you off? So I did work today and I'm actually moving offices. So that was a lot of packing and lifting and Mm. kind of not my normal day as a therapist, but it was a nice change of pace for sure. Yeah. Like, is it the, is it an office in the same building or did you have to go to a whole nother location? So I actually went to a whole nother location with a bit of a job change. So I'm joining a different department, which meant I kind of moved across the street. Oh, nice. Congratulations on that. Thank you. I'm excited. So, so excited. All right. So let's jump on into this. So we always start off with the intro and stats. So who is Miranda Jacobson? So when I am not a therapist, I am a dog mama to a wild little beagle named Maya. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a partner and I really like to spend my time kind of networking with people, spending time with friends, and I love being physically active. So anytime I can be outdoors, anytime I can run, those are kind of my self-care aspects that, that really help me stay in the work that I do. Nice. So I'm sure you love like this time of year, like spring and summer. Yes, we are finally getting nice weather here in North Dakota. So that is wonderful. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right. So yeah, so Miranda is a mental health counselor. So when I was looking up the job um, on, what is it called? The Bureau, the U.S. Bureau of Statistics, it showed it kind of combined um, substance abuse, behavioral disorders, and mental health counselors together. So I'm going to kind of group those together, but I'm going to try to focus more on the mental health counselor aspect. Okay. Perfect. So let's do a quick job description. So substance abuse, behavioral disorder, and mental health counselors advise people on a range of issues such as those relating to alcoholism, addictions, or depression. They provide support, including for prevention, to help clients recover from addiction, modify problem behaviors, or improve mental health. And as far as some of their duties, they typically do the following. They evaluate clients' mental and physical health, addiction, or problematic behavior, and assess their readiness for treatment. They develop, recommend, and review treatment goals and plans with clients and their families. They assist clients in developing skills and behaviors necessary to recover from their addiction or modify their behavior. They work with clients to identify behaviors or situations that interfere with their recovery. They document and maintain records of clients' progress. They teach clients, family members about addiction or behavior disorders and help them develop strategies to support clients in recovery. They refer to other resources and services, such as job placement services and support groups. They prepare clients for transition out of counseling through discharge planning. 
and they conduct outreach programs to help people identify the signs of addiction and other destructive behavior, as well as steps to take to avoid such behavior. So does that pretty much kind of give an idea as far as the job, you know, the, the job description and the duties of your job? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that is a really um, in-depth kind of bird's eye view of what I do. That's great. Now, can you give us like an idea of what a typical day for you at work would look like? Yeah, so my day starts at 9 a.m. and it ends at 5 p.m. And at my particular agency, I really do have that freedom and flexibility to kind of flex my work hours. I can come into work earlier so that I can leave earlier. I am solely in charge of my schedule. So I'm in charge of scheduling client appointments in charge of client contacts. Um, You talked about note-taking, things like that. Mm -hmm. So I really get to determine how many client sessions I schedule. I will say for trauma therapists, we don't schedule the regular caseload that some people might be familiar with. If you do have some familiarity with the mental health field, typical caseloads are 20. And so for us, our caseloads are more like 12 because we are so heavily focused on trauma. That's all we do. It's a majority of what we do. And that can come with a lot of um, obviously like mental exhaustion and burnout and compassion fatigue. So we really like to honor that and have a lower caseload. Um, I also throughout the day, those other things I do, my agency is a nonprofit organization within our small North Dakota community. And so we do have agency and department specific meetings that we attend There's also events. We do a ton of networking because being nonprofit, a lot of our outreach and a lot of our funding does come from state level as well as community members that really love our mission and want to contribute to the cause that we are really working towards. Nice. Yeah. That is awesome. So you said that usually you can kind of set your own schedule, correct? Correct. Yeah. And do you normally base that on like a patient an hour or like, how do you set up, you know, how would you set up your schedule? Yeah. So I like to give myself time in the morning to do looking at kind of my calendar for the day. I like to just kind of get a footing for what is going to take place. So I usually leave an hour block in the morning for notes and just scheduling things. And then I typically will do no more than two client sessions back to back. I like to give myself some time in between sessions, but the sessions are one hour. So I'll typically do, um, you know, a two hour block, see two clients, give myself a little break. Maybe by that time it's lunch and then I can schedule two more clients for two hours. So typically I try not to see any more than four clients a day, Mm -hmm. which makes it kind of nice. And I obviously have room for those other things that are meetings and events. Right. And are most places like that, like in that's in this type of profession, do they normally give you the liberty to create your own schedule or did you yeah, just that's a great fall upon just this awesome nonprofit that just lets you, you know, lets you do great things the way you want to do them? I definitely fell upon this awesome agency. A lot of places do have like if you are billing insurance and in private practice. You are only getting paid when you're in session with clients. So that, of course, in those kinds of settings, a lot of people will pack their schedule because they're seeing it as for every hour that I'm seeing someone, I'm also getting paid for that. And it's a great way to increase your pay where for me, I'm paid salary. Um, So I, it really is the agency's policy that they want us to have the freedom to kind of take charge of our own schedule and run our day the way that we would like to, which is beautiful and right up my alley. (laughs) Yes, definitely. So yeah, so mental health counselors, they advise individuals, families, couples, and groups. Some work with specific populations such as children or older adults. Uh, Mental health counselors treat clients who have a variety of conditions, including anxiety, depression, grief, and stress. They also help with emotional health and relationship problems. So again, um, substance abuse, behavioral disorder, and mental health counselors, they work in a variety of settings. Mm 
These can include inpatient and outpatient treatment centers, correction facilities, and hospitals. Some addiction counselors work in residential treatment centers where clients live in the facility during their recovery. And although rewarding, the work of substance abuse, behavioral disorder, and mental health counselors is often stressful, just as you mentioned. So many counselors have large workloads and do not always have enough resources to meet the demand for their services. In addition, counselors may have to intervene in crisis situations or work with agitated clients. We'll probably get more mm-hmm. into that with the pros and cons, I'm sure, once we get there. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So education, how to even become a substance abuse, behavioral disorder, or mental health counselor. So they typically need a bachelor's degree. However, specifically, the mental health counselor typically typically needs a master's degree. Common fields of undergraduate study include psychology, public policy, and social services and social science. Master's degree programs often include an internship that is clinically supervised. So substance abuse and behavioral disorder counselors in private practice must be licensed, but all states require mental health counselors to be licensed. Licensure requires successful completing a national examination and supervise clinical work under the supervision of a licensed counselor. And some jobs require counselors to have certification in basic life support or cardiopulmonary resuscitation. So in your case, can you just go over like your education? Did you, you have to get a master's degree, I'm assuming, is that correct? Correct, yeah. So um, a lot of the times if you come in with a, undergrad degree that is different. So for example, I came in with an elementary education undergrad um, degree. And a lot of the times they'll honor certain credits from that, whether it's, you know, education or psychology. So I enrolled in a master's program, which was two years. Um, It was a clinical mental health counseling was kind of the degree. And um, we do have people within my agency that are in social work. They get their master's in social work. Mm -hmm. And that really does open them up to counseling as well. The requirements look a little different in terms of licensure. Um, So for me, in my master's degree, there's different avenues you can take when you're in there. You can specialize in things like family and marriage counseling, substance use. That can be its own specialty field um, with additional schooling and courses for that as well as school counseling. That's a lot of the times um, we have a lot of clinical mental health in, in my program we did. And then the other half was mostly school counseling. So the degree I have is clinical mental health counselor. And that just gives me that opportunity, as you mentioned, to work in different settings. I can work in outpatient centers, private practice, um, where I'm at now would be considered a community center. And I can also work in hospitals too. Awesome. Yeah, that gives you a lot of variety, which is important. It does. To know, you know, to have that option is a blessing for sure. It really is. Yeah. All right. So some important qualities. So important qualities. Number one, communication skills. So substance abuse, Mm. behavioral disorder, and mental health counselors need to effectively convey ideas and information to clients. They must also write concise but detailed reports documenting clients' progress. And feel free to chime in. I'm sure some of these are like, yes, you definitely got to have communication skills for this position. Absolutely, you do. You have to, I would say you have to have the strongest interpersonal skills and just communication skills have to be just on point. Mm -hmm. Number two, compassion. So substance abuse, behavioral disorder, and mental health counselors often work with people who are dealing with stressful and difficult situations. So they must empathize with their clients. Absolutely. Number three, (laughs) interpersonal skills. So substance abuse, behavioral disorder, and mental health counselors must be able to develop and nurture good relationships with different types of people. And you definitely mentioned that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's a big one for sure, just because you are going to work with so much diversity in just the mental health Mm -hmm. area, as well as multiculturalism is such a big part of it, too. 
Now, is that something that they would teach you in the master's program or is that like a on the job training for these type of qualities and skills to develop? Yeah, that's a great question. So we do have an entire course that is um, multiculturalism, which is really great. And there is a big emphasis, I think, in the collegiate level is really just, I think, focused on multicultural mu- multiculturalism as well as in the work place we're really working on um, diversity equity and inclusion so we have formed our own task force and we're really doing a lot of um, meetings and bringing in diversity equity and inclusion specialists to teach us how to really I think honor that in our workplace awesome awesome yeah and listening skills so substance abuse behavioral disorder and mental health counselors must give clients their full attention to be able to understand each client's problems and values. Now, I always wonder about that because I can imagine like you being a person, a human being with all everything that's going on in your life in order for you to have to clear or, you know, compartmentalize that to be able to listen to someone else's trauma and, mm-hmm. you know, their issues. I can imagine that would be, you know, like a hard task to do. It definitely is. And I think sometimes controlling the random thoughts that pop up in my head, I can't tell you how many times Ty I've been in a session and all of a sudden it's like a grocery idea pops into my head (laughs) or it's like, oh, you got to get this for the house. And I'm like, no, this person is in the middle of, yeah, they're in the middle of their story. And I just, sometimes I'll jot it down on my notepad just to almost like, okay, I heard you. And now I'm dialing back in to this incredible human sitting across from me. Mm -hmm. I understand. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, patience. Substance abuse, behavioral disorder, and mental health counselors must be able to remain calm when working with all types of clients, including those who may be distressed or angry. Mm -hmm. Do you ever come across like a lot of patients that have that agitation, that anger, um, how do you absolutely how do you handle that? Yeah, so I think a lot of the times I would say a big part of what happens in session because we are talking about trauma is they are getting very emotionally dysregulated and oftentimes when they're even just telling their pain and suffering that has occurred you can just see the activation of just I think, distress in their body, you can hear it in their voice. And oftentimes people will say, I'm not yelling at you. And I'm like, I completely understand this is this is anger. And it's a natural emotion that's being expressed as a result of what you are sharing. And I think that's the emotion that's connected with that. As far as like emotions being kind of channeled at me, I I definitely have had a lot of clients that I think would be difficult and challenging would be the right way to describe them to work with um, where a lot of the times their mental health is they just push you away and they are they struggle with relationships and they have these toxic tendencies and so a lot of the times what I'll just do is kind of call out what I see and just speak to I think that fear part of their brain of like I understand you're angry and I know you're not angry at me I'm okay with your anger I can handle that this is a safe place for you to let that out Mm-hmm. And it takes a special type of person to be able to even do that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, not yeah, that's born or not even born, but not everyone has that, that quality of patience that I feel like is so necessary in a position like this. Absolutely. And that's not to say being fully candid, that's not to say they don't leave my room and I shut my door and cry and mm-hmm. have all these internal thoughts of what did I do? And like, I definitely have to remind myself to not take things personal. Um, but I think in that moment, I just jump into this is a hurt person. And, and this is not about me. That's clear. And so what they need is me to just really witness whatever it is they're going through. Exactly. That's beautiful. Now, as far as the pay goes, so the median annual wage for substance abuse, behavioral disorder, and mental health counselors was $48,520 in May of 2021. The lowest 10% earned less than $30,870, and the highest 10% earned more than $77,980. And as far as the job outlook goes, Employment of substance abuse, behavioral disorder, and mental health counselors 
is projected to grow 22% from 2021 to 2031, much faster than the average for all occupations. So that's pretty good. That is pretty great. Those stats are interesting. I mean, we know there's a need, but I think there's something about hearing the numbers that really puts that into perspective. Definitely, definitely. All right, so that includes the intro and stats section. Next up, we're going to dive into inspiration and advice. All right, so we're going to hop into inspiration and advice. So Miranda, what was your inspiration to pursue this career? I love this question because I just love inspiration and advice. That's those are like my jams. So this is perfect. Um, my inspiration for this position truly came at a time in my life when I just changed everything. As you know, I had gone through a divorce and I knew that I was leaving the education field and I was really in search of that career that would light my soul on fire. And one of my best friends working as a teacher was a counselor. And I remember she said to me, you know, what do you love about this work? And I said, you know, I love when I can sit with the students or just be with a person and ask about their night and their day and their feelings and how the things that happen to them impact their thoughts and feelings and behaviors. And she just kind of laughed at me and said, you know, that's counseling. You basically just described counseling. So um, from there, once I got into the field, I just continued in my master's program to get those butterflies and feelings of confirmation that this is exactly where I need to be. And to be a person that can sit with someone in their suffering and be what they need in that moment is so incredible. This work is so sacred and the responsibility is something that I just feel like I'm the lucky one that I get to do what I do. That's beautiful. Well said for sure. And I love that. Like I always, I talk to my husband, Eric, about this sometimes, but I feel like people are put in this world to give you your keys, which means that's good moments of inspiration and advice to kind of pivot. It's almost like a life pivot. That you didn't even yeah. think about or you might have might have thought about, but you were too afraid to take that next step. And then you get someone that comes along and gives you just that little nugget of push or, you know, motivation. And it changes your whole, you know, life for the better. That is a perfect way to describe that. I love that of people give you your keys. That is so yeah, like that's just going to sit with me for a while because I really liked how you said that. Yeah, like that's what she did for you, honestly, for you to be yeah. like, these are the things that I want, you know, that I feel like I need to be giving to other people. And she's like, well, it's kind of like what I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was such a powerful moment. Yeah. Now give us um, three pros to the to the position. What are three pros? So for me as a professional, having that freedom and flexibility, flexibility, when I feel like I am micromanaged or I'm not given the space to just kind of be my free spirited self, which is who I am in all areas of my life, mm-hmm. that's when I kind of want to, I want to run. I want to look at something else and I get that feeling of like, I can't be here anymore. So the fact that this job allows me the freedom and flexibility in so many different areas from my schedule to the fact that there's a lot of upward mobility that can happen within the fields. I can move to different programs, which is what I did. Um, I went from being an adult therapist that works with survivors of trauma to now I provide childhood trauma therapy to individuals who have caused harm. So we would see them as offenders. Um, So complete shift for me, but really giving me a lot of freedom and flexibility because it's a new position that I get to create from the ground up. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, like, do you, so do you, are you trained for that as well? Like, is that something that you learned um, in your master's program or did you have to get a little bit more training since it's now a whole different, not necessarily a whole different population, but it's, you know, focused on children now versus adults. 
Yeah. So I did get some basic training, but a lot of it is specific to the agency since we are a domestic violence and sexualized violence. That's our specialty areas. That's kind of the crisis work that we deliver to individuals. So all of that training came from more on the job, going to trainings, um, getting certifications and things like that, which my agency helped provide the funding for that, which is so incredible. And do you have to have like continuing education courses and things like that for your license? Yeah. So we do have requirements to maintain our licensure and we have to reapply for licensure every two years. Mm -hmm. So in those two years, then you have to submit. um, They do have criteria that they are looking for. So certain areas of continuing ed that they want to see that you have kind of spent time investing in. And so then I just submit that in And that's kind of how I continue to, I guess, keep up with just all the changes that are happening. It's really wonderful, though. We get sent emails all day long about here's a continuing ed opportunity. So Mm. I just kind of file those away and eventually get to them. (laughs) Nice, nice. Did you do your three pros? I don't know if I cut you off. I didn't. Sorry. No, that's okay. (laughs) You totally didn't cut me off. We're going to have tangents. I mean, this is. Yeah, it already happened. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my second pro is it really has made me more self-aware and it's made me more focused on everything that I have to be grateful for. A little side story here. I remember doing my internship and I was working with an individual that shared some pretty heavy details, which I won't get into, um, about her experiences and her trauma. And it was related to a relationship and domestic violence. And I just remember going home to my now partner, Alan, and I just said, you know, thank you for loving me the way that you love me. Thank you for respecting me. And thank you for never making me afraid um, to be around you. Like it just, it hit me that it was like, that is not promise. That's not a given and not everybody has that. And so I don't think I realized that until I heard that person's story. And it just completely made me realize like what a blessing it is to have someone who just loves you well and health in a healthy way and is respectful. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, my third pro, see stories, side, side story. <laughs> um, when you get to hear that feedback from clients on what your time with them has meant, it is the most powerful thing to also kind of, see that aha light bulb moment. Mm -hmm. And in a moment, you can see that person have a mindset shift and it changes everything. And it just leaves them feeling fundamentally different about whatever they came to you for. It's, it's unreal. Like if I could replay that experience over every single day or anytime I get just in my head about how hard the work is, I always come back to what that's like to witness someone's life literally change right in front of your eyes. Wow. Wow. I can imagine. I'm sure it's like emotional for both you and the client when you think about it. It totally is. I've definitely cried in session because I wear my heart on my sleeve. So. <laughs> and they probably love that about you too. You know what I mean? Because you think yeah. going into a situation like that and you expect someone to be very, not necessarily cold, but they have to, you know, do their job. And so to see Absolutely. that you have a heart and you care, like you said, you have the empathy that really probably allows them to open up and, and feel more comfortable with you. I I hope so. And just to show them that I'm human and I feel things too. And just because I'm in this, you know, guidance role as the therapist, it doesn't mean that I've got it all figured out, but mm-hmm. um, I'm willing to take their hand and walk with them in, in whatever journey. Definitely. All right. So the, the dreaded three cons, give me three. cons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So number one, I think for me would be the work, um, especially trauma work. Um, as much as I love it, I would say hearing people's painful trauma stories, it does have an impact on you and like it or not, we can be a person that does our own inner work and self-care, but it really does wear on you. And if if it doesn't start to make you emotional and feel sad, it will definitely start to change the way you see people. I don't want to say jaded, but I definitely think when people tell me certain things, my brain jumps to 
kind of that trauma mode of like, oh, that's a manipulation tactic. Ooh, that's kind of controlling. Sometimes it's hard to shut that off. Just when you see kind of people at their worst moments, it can be hard not to translate that into other areas of your life. Mm. Yeah. Um, so how do you like, how do you decompress from that? Cause I can imagine like just receiving that all day, like what, how do you get back? Like, how do you reset pretty much? Yeah, I'm um, not going to lie. As a therapist, I know that this is not a healthy coping strategy. So I will just throw that out there. Full um, disclaimer. I do, <laughs> yeah, full disclaimer. Um, I do like wine. I will not overindulge. I will be honest. I don't overindulge. But I do have a glass of wine a night. And for my healthier coping strategies, <laughs> I like to just go out for a walk. Sometimes I just need to talk obviously can't share what was shared with me, but be able to share the impact it had and to just say like, this is how I'm feeling because of this really heavy session I had. Um, I would say when I don't want to talk about it and there's more like rage that I feel because something I was told just seems so unfair. That's when I go for a run and I really can just kind of channel my energy that way. Beautiful. Yeah. Physical fitness for sure. That's definitely like, that's free, free medicine. When you think about it, it is, it is. And just getting out and letting all of that, all of that go, it definitely helps. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say my second con would be the pay isn't what it should be. Mm -hmm. And I just think of the economy being what it is right now. Um, this is definitely an underpaid profession for what you're being asked to do. You know, when we talk about just how challenging it is and how much of your self has to be present with this person in such a emotionally charged space mm -hmm. that would be something I would say is one of the biggest drawbacks to the field is we are just we are not paid the pay does not match really the service I think that we are delivering and I feel like that's the case for a lot of a lot of important jobs like the ones that yes are the most impactful are the ones that are the most underpaid, which is so bad. Right. Teachers. No, isn't that crazy? It is. It's not fair. It really isn't. Cause it's like, where would we be without some of these? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We recognize the significance of what it can bring, but we aren't willing to match that with the compensation. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for my last con, I would say this is more so um, kind of client related in the sense of it is a therapeutic relationship between the therapist and the client. And a con for me is when I'm a go-getter, I'm driven, and I'm obsessed with mindset work and healing. It is my favorite. And so I have to recognize that not all clients feel that. Mm. Some want to avoid the process. They want to disengage. So when I find myself working harder than the client, that happens a lot as a therapist. When you have those qualities you mentioned, like empathy and compassion, you are going to find yourself caring seemingly more than it, it would appear that the client cares. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's a lot of things behind that, right? Like there's fear, there's um, not wanting to face all our, our crap because when we take it out of the bags, we can't put it back in. Mm -hmm. Um but that can be really hard. So like, how, how would you break through with a person like that? Like, is, is that something where you just try to get them through to the next phase or is there usually a breakthrough that eventually does take place? It just takes more time. Yeah, I would say it's definitely the, the last part of what you said, it, it there will be that break breakthrough. It just takes time. Often it's, just remembering that they have their own pace, they have their own readiness for change. There's um, something we learn in schooling that talks about like, where are they at in the stages of change? Are they at the pre-contemplative um, or are they at the action phase? Mm -hmm. And then I also like to just kind of, I'm a big fan of let's just address it. Let's just talk about it. And so I will even say to individuals, you know, it kind of seems like you're really resistant really hesitant with you know whatever it is we're working on and and scale it back to um you know maybe checking in with them of like how important is this change to you 
because maybe we're working on something that is more a goal I have for them and less a goal they have for themselves. And then, yeah. And then another scale I really love is like, how confident are you that you can make this change? Because if there's low confidence, it's like, well, there you go. Like, Mm -hmm. that's why they're not working is because they have this underlying belief that what's the point? It, I can't do this. Right. Hmm, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Now advice for someone interested in what you do. Ooh, this is probably, I will say these are my favorite questions a lot. They're all so good. (laughs) Um, So my advice for someone interested in counseling, specifically if you're going into trauma focused, um, anything related to community violence or just truly mental health, it could be in general would be to do as much job shadowing as you possibly can. As much as you can place yourself in that world and get in the headspace and get the best way for yourself to determine if this is something that you'd enjoy doing. Even if after all that shadowing, you find out, hey, I can't do this. This is not the field for me. I can't see myself doing this for the next however many years. Mm-hmm. I think it's always better to know that prior to enrolling in school and committing to a two-year degree. This is spoken from someone who did that. I have a master's degree that I no longer use, um, which I don't regret. I just really, that's my biggest piece of advice is make sure that the job and the lifestyle that that entails is a good fit for the life that you envision. Mm-hmm. And also just knowing that it's okay if it just doesn't work out because those things happen. Absolutely. Like a case where you had to pivot. Yep. Sometimes it takes people two times, three times, maybe even five times just to try to figure out what that niche is, where they're supposed to be. So absolutely. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. Like let yourself evolve and let yourself know that like maybe a that position you're in right now served you in a certain season of your life. Mm-hmm. And now it's kind of, you've outgrown that and you're allowed to outgrow anything for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. Well, that concludes inspiration and advice. We're going to tap into that final segment, get to know. Ooh, right. I like it. <laughs> I'm excited about this one. All right. So here we are. We're going to, Finish up this final segment, get to know. This is the fun part. So I thought you can let your Uh, hair down with this one. (laughs) Perfect. It is down. (laughs) So up to three topics you're interested or passionate about. Yes, three topics. Okay, so the first one that pops out to me is organizing. Mm -hmm. I love organization. I am just having the best time ever, ever. My partner and I just bought a home. So we are just... When I say we, I'm saying I'm playing around with organizing. He's being really great and saying, sure, do whatever you want to do. He's very supportive. Um, The second topic I love is interior design. I love to be able to decorate and do your own kind of DIY painting. I'm kind of working on right now doing this funky wallpaper in our dining room. So that's really fun for me. And I'm having a blast with that. Um, One more. Let's see. I would say inner work or mindset work. Mm -hmm. I love that and do that for myself. That is a big part of, I think, what keeps me feeling like I can have longevity in the field that I have because I do actively spend time to meditate, journal, do some really great reframing and rewiring of my mind. Mm. Yeah, I feel like that's important. Like the counselors need counseling too or the therapist we absolutely do (laughs) that's very important and that's part of your job so you definitely should be in tune into that you know even in your own day-to-day life so that's important absolutely practice what you preach tight tight oh yes that's so true (laughs) all right so up to three content creators you always tap into three content creators I would say I follow a lot of individuals who have businesses. I really like supporting fellow entrepreneurs. That is, Mm -hmm. I am all like, especially empowered females. I love career-driven, empowered women. And so it's not just because I'm on this podcast, but Ty, you are definitely someone that 
Um, your new nonprofit. I follow that. I love it. I just am so excited to see all of the people that you are going to just connect individuals to. It's just going to be this powerful, supportive network. And I, I'm here for it. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. So I, Ty, and then I would say Taylor Lee, she is a business coach and she really focuses on doing things in alignment and being really in touch with manifestation. And that is something that work that I've done and work that I believe very heavily in. Mm -hmm. Uh, The last content creator, I would say, I think her page is big time adulting. And it's very funny. I don't have children, but she talks about like the humor in being a mom and how just to be forgiving and understanding and to just love on yourself because it is such a hard job. And I think that's the next phase for sure in my life. So I really love the humor and the realness behind her page. Yeah, that's awesome. You definitely, you have, listen, when you become a mother, you will have to find the humor to get through (laughs) (laughs) right and downs for sure. If you can't find the humor, you're going to stress yourself out. So yeah. And you're going to do a lot of crying. (laughs) (laughs) that's what I'm trying to do I'm just flooding my brain with all of that (laughs) and I love like content creators like that because there's so many positive ones out there that don't get much spotlight but once you follow people like that like it really makes a difference in how you you know how you think how you live day to day so like totally like that yeah it just changes your perspective on life you know especially if you're a person that normally thinks negative about things or Mm -hmm. like things don't ever go your way like tap into some positive content creators let them fill up your timeline with a lot of positive energy and you'd be surprised what ends up manifesting into your own life yeah absolutely it's like that's such a beautiful thing to surround yourself with not just people who I think we were taught and told to surround yourself with people who think like you. And when we are focused on growth and development, I think it's crucial to surround yourself on your social media pages with people that you want to think like, maybe you're not there yet, but it's like, I want to embody that mindset. I think that really should be the goal. Well said, well said. All right, so up to three stores you shop at the most. Where are you spending spending all of Alan's money? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is too easy, and I answer it so quickly. I would say I love Target, I love yes. Walmart, and I love me some Old Navy. Yes, the best. Like, Target takes everyone's paychecks. I really believe that. Like, oh. I'll go in there for one thing, and I'll come out with a whole basket. <laughs> yes, isn't that crazy how you're like, I just need milk that meme is so true and then you take a visit to to like the clothes the shoes the makeup (laughs) and old navy their prices are so amazing like they'll literally just throw shirts and shorts and stuff at you so that's definitely a a great yeah and they always have those coupons so always i love a discount right (laughs) especially the flip-flops i'm sure the flip-flops are coming up pretty soon yes gotta get some all right, up to three musical artists you listen to currently. Ooh, this one is challenging for me. <laughs> You're not really a music Let's see. I love music. I think I mostly just listen to playlists and I don't really pay attention to who I'm listening to, right. um, if that makes sense. I, I do love Kane Brown. Mm-hmm. I'm a country country fan. I, I love me some country music. Um, let's see who else. So who is sings? Brown, sorry, is Kane Brown like like what type of country music is it? Is it like the like slow ballad, like romantic, or is it more like upbeat, fun? I, yeah, I would say it's more upbeat and fun. And I'm not even sure it's traditional country. It's more of that new genre. I think of country music. Mm-hmm. yeah so I like him I'm trying to think of who is the woman that sings I am woman do you know the song I'm talking about I am woman I don't know I'm about to look that one up is that a country like, song as well no um I wonder I can look it up too I think it's Emmy Mealy uh-huh yep 
Yes, I love that song. If ever I need to just step into my most empowered self, I will just blast that. <laughs> it is my favorite. Um, a third one. Um, or if you have like a podcast, is there a podcast that you listen to every now and again? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so one podcast that I like is by one of the content creators that I do follow. And so it's um, Taylor Lee. Mm -hmm. And I think it's Freely Me or, oh man, I don't even know it. <laughs> you probably <laughs> auto playing it. You don't realize, right? Right. Um, I'm trying to think. It's part of her slogan and her, not her slogan, but her business. I think it's the fully free. There you go. It's the fully free podcast and it's trying to help people live a life and business that is just free and authentic and really structured to all of their desires. She really has some great mindset work in there. And I think she's just really honest and real about motherhood and so many different areas of life. Nice. Nice. Okay. Now up to three famous people that inspire you. Ooh. Mm. Um, I would say the number one is um, Zoe Saldana. Mm. I really love her approach to how she views herself and her potential and belief in what is possible for her to, you know, kind of create in this world. She did an interview with someone and she talked about how she was raised and she was raised to always believe that I can do anything I want to do and I can do things just as good as a man. And she just had this really uplifting upbringing that I think channeled into so many things of what she is today. Nice. And I'm just enamored by her. Um, I would say she's a top one. Number two would be Brene Brown. I love Brene Brown. I think she is a god. It's unreal. <laughs> she probably is, right? <laughs> yeah, just her shame research. And she was, um, we were kind of taught to get used to a lot of her things early on in the counseling field. We watched a lot of videos on topics that she talks about. Yeah, doesn't she do like, was it like shame and vulnerability? I think. Yes, yeah. yep. Yeah. Yeah, she's really incredible. Um, another one, I'm super curious if you will have her on this podcast, Ty, because I think she's incredible and she talks about financial, everything like financial well-being. And she's known as the budget Nista. Oh my gosh, I love her. Tiffany, I don't know how to say her last name. Alice, I think it is. Alice, yes. I think she is phenomenal and she represents so many things of just like career driven, empowered, incredible person that I just, I'm like, I love her stuff. Anything she puts out, I'm like, yes, I need that in my life. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny. Like I, I found her during the pandemic. Like I didn't even know about her until 2020 because oh, I was really? trying to figure out like, oh my gosh, I'm laid off my job. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I somehow came across her and her, she literally opened, like she kicked the door open to like all of these, like just monetary ideas and budgeting and saving. Oh, that's incredible. Like I ended up joining her, um, her academy. I think it's called Live Richer Academy. I think it's called. How is that academy? I wanted to join. Oh my gosh. It was so worth it. Like every aspect of financial literacy and life is, is given in that academy. And it literally changed my life. Like I, I literally owe her a lot because before that, you know, you, you go day to day, but you're like, okay, I have an emergency fund. I save a little bit. I wasn't investing because it was so like over my head. So yes. to, for the pandemic to hit and I'm like, okay, how am I going to make this money stretch? <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm yeah. going to And it was a lot. So to come across her was a godsend for sure. Talk about the divine timing of that, that you just got that financial wholeness, I think is something she talks about too, where you can just 
how you feel about your money that totally came for you at a time when you needed it most. Most definitely. All right. And then finally, something people may not know about you. Something people may not know about me. Huh. I'm trying to think. This is really <laughs> lame that I'm like, I don't know. They know um, everything. Right? I'm like, you guys know everything about me. No. Um, kind of. Oh, so this is something that comes up and is really interesting. Um, a lot of people do not know that I've actually been to college for a really long time. <laughs> um, I was a college student for nine years. Wow. So people can rewind that, play it back. You're still going to hear it the same. It is nine years. Mm -hmm. um, long yeah, I went to school for a long time. I felt like it was like that too. Like it just felt like this never ending long stretch of just, just schooling and tests. Absolutely. Everything. So. Absolutely. And that's not required. <laughs> Sorry. What was that? I said, you made it out. Okay. On the other side. I sure did. And I, it's not required for this career. I will say that. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a lot of finding yourself. I feel like when you're in college, it's a lot of trying to figure out who you are and what you want to be. Definitely, definitely. All right. Well, Miranda, thanks so much for your time. Like, I really, really, really appreciate you doing this with me. So thank, thank you for asking me. So how can people um, find you or how can they follow you? Yeah. So if you wanted to follow me, I actually do have a business that, that I organize. And this is not me trying to pitch to anyone that is listening. But if you are a lover of organizing, um, I would love to have people follow me at MirandaJacobson.creative. Nice, nice. And it's great. I love I love that page because I'm really big on organizing as well. I think in my head, I'm a better organizer than I probably am in real life but same in a lot of ways pretty good at it <laughs> thank you for that it is honestly a passion project that I just I love and enjoy so if nothing else it'd be cool to just pick up some other friends that also love organizing mm -hmm. and then it helps your like living space as well like when you're organized you're able to think more clearly you know you're just able to yeah just breathe you know what I mean it's weird absolutely your home can just create so much angst and intention. So I definitely know exactly. It's a mental health, I think, um, reliever too, to just clear the clutter in your mind and in your physical space. All right. All right. Yeah. And listeners, thanks so much for tapping in every month. I'll have a new episode with a new guest, but until then you can follow me on all social media platforms. That's Instagram TikTok, Facebook, all at Give a Bean Water. And you can also check out my website, giveabeanwater.org. And until next time, thank you again, Miranda. This was fun. I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Thank you, guys. All right. We are done. Yay. That was so fun. I have never done a podcast before. I and this know, was a blast. So great. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was so fun.